Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Project Transitions Transition Points. I'm here with Amber Roadcap from Malvern Behavioral Health. How's it going, Amber? I'm doing really well, Brandon. I'm really excited to be able to do this with you and excited to see where this conversation takes us. So what exactly do you do at Malvern? So with Malvern Health, I am the South Central Regional Community Liaison, um, really looking at building those community partnerships within the community um, to talk about how Malvern Health can provide services for whether that's SUD treatment, inpatient behavioral health care. I really strive to be a resource uh, more than anything. By SUD, you mean substance use disorder, correct? I do, yeah. So Malvern Health, we have Malvern Treatment Centers, which is inpatient detox and rehab levels of care, and Malvern Behavioral Health, which is acute inpatient psychiatric care located in South Philadelphia. And the South Philadelphia location is absolutely wonderful. I've been there a few times. I was at the grand opening and I was just there a few weeks ago with our director of clinical services, Sarah, and she had nothing but amazing things to say about it. Uh, She literally loved you guys so much. Thank you. And that means a lot when we hear that from our community partners. We're really proud of the work that we're doing and strive to be a little bit different in the care that we're giving to our patients and really person-centered, compassionate, um, looking at the whole person, not just, oh, you're here because you're needing to detox off of a substance or you're struggling with behavioral health, really looking at their needs overall uh, and how we can best serve them. You make it about the person as opposed to the bed. Absolutely. One of the things I love working for Malvern Health is that we're not census driven. It is not about filling the beds. It really is about meeting people right where they are and making sure that when they leave us, they're set up for the best recovery possible. I absolutely love that. And you guys are consistently killing it. So keep it up for sure. Um, Thank you. So how, when did you start at Melbourne? So I've been with Melbourne a little over four years wow. uh, prior to getting into this whole behavioral health business development gig, I had always done direct behavioral health care or um, substance use treatment in a various, in various settings. And so for me, that is really why patient care is paramount and why I strive to be more of a resource to the community that we serve than perhaps quote unquote, a marketer or, um, you know, business development person. We have the unique privilege within our roles, um, both you and I, of meeting so many wonderful connections and creating these partnerships throughout Pennsylvania. When I have an account come to me and say, hey, we're looking for housing for patient X, I love when I can say, you know what, I know just the place to send you, or I know just the contact to to plug you into. Um if someone comes to me and they have a referral and they're not the right fit for Malvern Behavior Health or Malvern Treatment, I absolutely will be the first person to say, you know what, hey, but let me get you in contact with this person over here. This is a wonderful agency, a great treatment center um, that will be a great fit for your patient. So I, 
I couldn't agree with you more on that aspect of it uh, at all. Just the fact that, like you said, we are here to be a resource. So even if you're not getting help with Project Transition or Malvern or any other name, I'd be more than happy to hand you off to somebody that can give you that help. Because at the end of the day, we're there to help the person. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, so that, I think that is one of my favorite things about my role at Malvern and just working within this spectrum of the behavioral health care field which is really different than doing direct care. Um, so when I first started, it was a bit of a transition, um, but I still, it, we're, we're still helping people within our roles. It just looks a little bit different. Mm -hmm. We're helping the people that help people. I'm a big believer in anything that we do. It, it needs to be more than the name. Are you truly providing the care, providing the treatment that you say Absolutely. that you are? Um you know, there's a lot of companies out there that we see that like, oh, we we're doing X, Y, Z or, you know, oh, this is who we are. And then behind the scenes, their company culture doesn't support that. I can 100% say that I am privileged to work for a company where, you know, we are who we say we are, you know, focus, compassionate care. That's what we do. Um, aftercare planning being super stellar and all of those things. Uh, which is really important to me with this, as you said, like name brand expansion. I don't think that I could have this role working for a company that I 100% did not believe in. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. So Amber, uh, so lately for me, I don't know about you, but I feel as though there is a bigger perception of how mental health and sobriety is being portrayed in the media. I do think we are finally starting to see more reduction in stigma around substance use, behavioral health concerns. One of the maybe few positive things that, that are coming out in the world post-pandemic. Um, more and more people are struggling, unfortunately, with behavioral health, um, seeking treatment, needing treatment. The same with substance use, you know, the opioid epidemic took a couple steps backward in all of the wonderful work and progress uh, throughout that time frame. And we're trying to make up ground. So I think harm reduction, prevention, stigma reduction, we're definitely seeing the tides turn. And I, I couldn't be happier with that. Um, and any big name that kind of puts a positive spin on, on recovery, living life sober um, is always Absolutely. a win for not only our industry, but encouraging others to seek help and treatment. I couldn't agree more. I mean, when I was younger, even in high school, senior year of high school is when Macklemore blew up, right? And everybody was like, oh, it's just a sober rapper. It's a sober rapper. And everybody was, you know, kind of like making the jokes about him. But now it's like when people say, hey, they're sober, do you really like get into it? Like, get like wow, good for this person, you know? Yeah, it's definitely more supported and and respected. Um, those boundaries overall are being more adhered to. If you do hear someone say, Hey, I'm in recovery. Um, you know, I am sober. I'm not, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to X, Y, Z. So I think that is definitely a positive cultural shift that we're seeing. Absolutely. Um, when I was in college, the big thing was a uh, sober weekend. So people would, you know, they would go out and do their thing usually, but, uh, it, it, it's college. Um, but then they would have one weekend a month where they would call it the sober weekend, where they would just take time to do it for themselves. They wouldn't go out, they wouldn't party, they wouldn't do any of that. And that's something that 
many people, myself included, 100% respect, you know, taking mm-hmm. care of yourself oh, and not putting it into your body consistently is just, even if you're not struggling with SUD, uh, it's uh, good for the brain. Absolutely. So that being said, do you think sober is cool now? <laughs> I think it's getting there. I think that more people are open to it. Um, and again, anytime that you're seeing stigma reduction around any issue, there's going to be more positivity, more opportunities for that lifestyle. Uh, you're seeing different sober groups pop up. There are whole websites now, um, all sober, better health, better help. Um, all of those things are there for people to really access services and SUD or behavioral health care in a stigma-free environment. So you say stigma-free environment. As we know, and he had said previously, uh, the stigma, it's 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 still there, but it's, uh, it's much lower than what it used to be. Do you think we will ever be able to get to a time where there will just be no stigma surrounded, surrounding behavioral health, mental health, or SUD? There's always going to be some. I think what I was referencing with the website options is that people are able to access care from the comfort of their own homes without having to take those next steps of a phone call, going to an office, scheduling a meeting where it feels safer and more accessible um, mm-hmm. that perhaps creates lower barriers to care. So there's that. But yeah, there will always be some people who will have a negative spin on, I don't know, anything in the world for sure. You could go onto YouTube right now, type in clouds, get a video of clouds, and there'll still be dislikes on the on the video. So I understand where you're coming from on that one. Mm-hmm. There will always be a negative up, perception. What is that? It's, it's literally just clouds. If you type in clouds into YouTube, it'll just be a video, a video of clouds moving, and there will be there will still be dislikes. It's for, uh, you know, like white noise kind of thing. Wow. There will, I want to know there will always be something taking the time to negatively comment on clouds. That's you know the person what? It's somebody that absolutely, it's somebody that needs help more than any anything. You know, <laughs> um, so you said that uh, you were you're talking about resources and having the availability of resources is really important. What I what connected with me with you right away. Uh, Amber, was your eagerness to assist the people in the LGBT community. I love that. I am a huge advocate for LGBT resources. While I do do as much work for them as I possibly can, I still don't think there are enough resources. So what do you think? I mean, I feel like navigating that whole community is a, is a little bit difficult because there's so many moving parts to it, you know? Mm-hmm. There's never going to be enough resources across the system for any population that we serve for behavioral health care or substance use disorder, unfortunately. Um, Accessibility barriers are always there. And then specifically for the LGBTQ community, those barriers have historically been higher. Um, So that is one of the reasons that Malvern Behavioral Health created some of the programming that we have and that we are passionate about serving that community. Um, Resources, especially in the Philadelphia community um while they're there there's there's long wait lists you know this with project Mm -hmm. transition you know how many times do we reach out to all of you and there's not a bed quite available um so while resources are there um opportunities are growing 
there is just still not enough to meet the needs of the community and to also be truly safe um, and affirming. One of the important things for the LGBTQ community is to be able to access care without barrier, um, but that also doesn't do more harm and that feels absolutely a safe space for those folks to work on recovery, whether that is more behavioral health focused or substance use because the system has historically been really unkind to them. I, I agree. So when I think of LGBT resources in Philadelphia, I think of the Mazzoni Center. I think of Philadelphia Fight. I think of the Attic Program. I also think of William Way LGBT Center, LGBTQ Plus Center. But mm -hmm. as of recently, I've been thinking of Wisteria, Malvern Wisteria in South Philly. It is, yeah. So Wisteria has been open since February. It is a 22-bed. Amazing grand opening, by the way. Thank you. Much appreciated. Glad you were able to come out with the team. Um, we've been slowly growing since then. Um, Wisteria is a program that we very intentionally built over two years to make sure that we are providing services for the community in the right way. Um, making sure that our staff is trained uh, in gender-affirming care across the board. So Wisteria, what that looks like is a 22-bed inpatient acute psychiatric care program located at 1930 South Broad Street in Philadelphia. Um, we are slowly building census, uh, very purposefully keeping census right now around between, you know, 10, 12, um, even though we have those 22 beds, to really, again, make sure that as we grow this program, we are learning and providing the best patient care possible. So uh, within Wisteria, gender neutral rooming, we'll continue HRT medications, and really, again, just welcoming folks to be 100% authentically themselves as they work towards healing and recovery. What I love about the about Wisteria is its accessibility. You know, it's literally, you, you can take the Broad Street line and walk to 100 feet when you get off of Snyder Stop, and it's literally right there. It's so accessible to anybody in the city. It is accessible. The other really wonderful thing in partnering with some of those community agencies within Philadelphia that you mentioned, Mazzoni, um, really getting our, our name out there with fight and saying, hey, we are here when the people that you serve need a higher level of care. That is really the messaging that I've been focusing on and really trying to collaborate and create those partnerships within Philadelphia for folks that need. Um, one of the other barriers that we're trying to remove is being accessible to the CBH, Philadelphia Medicaid community at Wisteria to yes. start doing our own assessment. So we can work on doing more direct referrals from those community partners. Um, again, the whole goal is to remove as many barriers to care as possible so people aren't discouraged when they're seeking help. Being able to do your own assessments would be an amazing thing across the board. It we're working we're working in that direction. I know that as a goal moving forward, uh, that is some of the feedback we've gotten from the community. Is you know folks don't want to have to go to the CRC. It's traumatizing. It creates more harm. Um, they don't want to wait often at times. So being a Medicaid provider, you know, one of the other wonderful things that I love about working for Malvern Health is that we accept all forms of PA Medicaid along with commercial TRICARE, VA insurances. So we are truly accessible to everyone um, who may be seeking care.
That being said, uh, I was speaking to one of our admissions uh, counselors this morning, and she said, Brandon, I love working with Malvern because the social work team there makes everything so easy. And even when I've interacted with them, uh, Amber, I have to say, everything is so smooth whenever it comes from Malvern. So on the, on our end, thank you so much for that. Your team is absolutely amazing from you all the way to, down to whoever. It's just an all around an easy process whenever we work with Malvern. Thank you for saying that. That means the world to us. Um, and that also tells me that we're, we're doing something right. And I will say that my team is the exact same about all of you at Project Transition. You're one of our go-tos for aftercare for sure. Um, but hearing those things that we're making smooth transitions for aftercare, that we are kind of, you know, dotting our I's, crossing our T's for our patients when they leave us, that means the world to me. I recently had the opportunity to table at our fest, the National Coming Out Day Festival here in Philadelphia. And three previous patients came up to my table and said, how wonderful their experience at Wisteria was, how great the staff was at meeting them where they are. Um, and really the best part is just seeing how well they're doing now um, and really kind of thriving with that aftercare experience. That's always an amazing feeling when you get to meet a former member. That's happened to me a few times as of recently. And whenever you can see them thriving where they are now, it always warms, warms the heart, you know? Yeah, I think in our role, we often don't see see that aspect of care. Um, many of us within the behavioral health care, substance use treatment world, you know, we see the patient when they're coming to us and we see how they're doing with us. But really being able to experience that, um, seeing someone, you know, in recovery, in healing, in doing really well we don't get to see that piece of the puzzle often. So it definitely is something I always share with the team to say, hey, look at all of this wonderful work that you're doing and impacting lives. Absolutely. So a uh, big question for you, uh, Amber. Okay. Why do you think people are afraid to reach out for help? The resources are there and some of them know about them, some of them don't, but like, and those those are barriers. But why do you think the big reason is people are afraid to reach out for help when they need it? That is a really big question. Um, we'll talk about systemic. We've talked a little bit about stigma. We've talked a little bit about systemic barriers. We've talked a little bit about trauma. Um, some populations, again, specifically the LGBTQ population, hasn't been represented within the treatment um, field or networks for a very long time. A lot of people that we work with have experienced trauma within the healthcare system. So that makes it harder for them to want to commit to reaching out or to be ready to feel safe trying to seek treatment again. Um, you know, insurances, financial life, you know, to make the commitment to go into 28 day rehab, you know, often means you're not working. What is that going to do financially? Um, for women, there's often the barrier of they're the primary child care providers Mm -hmm. That is a big question. And there's so many things that create barriers to care. And often too is, is someone truly ready to make that step towards recovery? Um, are they in a space where they're able to say, okay, now is the time to go ahead and, and get treatment for what's been, what's been going on with me. Um, so that question that's a that's a lot to unwrap. That's a whole separate episode, Brandon. Probably three episodes. And it's, 
I know and that was a very diplomatic answer, so I appreciate it greatly. I yeah, wouldn't know I myself wouldn't know how to answer that question. So you did very good, very good job at answering that question. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it, yeah, that's just that's a lot to unravel when we're looking at at people coming in and out of the system. Um, and then again, we have to look at that aftercare piece. So you're you're making the decision to come in for treatment. Um, you're making those steps towards recovery. You're making those steps towards wellness. If you are not supported in the community in which you live, whether that be by chosen family, friends, uh, biological family, your employer, if you don't have a recovery safe workspace, um, if you're not given the tools, um, are you connected with NAAA? Um, are you connected with a therapist? All of those things really impact on not only ongoing recovery, but the likelihood of, of seeking treatment again. Absolutely. to be able to be really plugged in. So that kind of leads me to one of my last last questions is, uh, do you think somebody can be successful in their journey, whether it be mental health, behavioral health or recovery, if yes, they have, they have the training that they got while they're in the program, but when they leave, if they don't have a good support group at home, do you think they can still be successful on their own? So... I know that we could probably find some really great stats and research on this. Um, I would say that home supports at home, again, whether that be biological or chosen family, absolutely are important and impact recovery, ongoing recovery, sobriety, um, stable behavioral health care, stable um, mental health. Uh, however, I think that if you don't have maybe that at home, as long as you have the community supporting you too, do you have a great sponsor? Are you going to meetings? Uh, like I said, does your therapist have groups? Um, there's a group that I, I've always really liked called Double Trouble. It is a, a behavioral health group that meets and supports people who have co-occurring substance use and behavioral health disorders. Um, I think the important thing is that you have support wherever that looks like, at home, in the community, that is the important piece of the puzzle that you're not doing it alone. I don't know many of us who can meet all of our goals and be successful if we're trying to 100% do it on our own. Um, so I think support in whatever form it comes from is really going to, to skew the outcomes of continuous long-term sobriety or continued um, wellness. Well said, Amber. Um, so, Amber, this was an amazing conversation and so informative. I love speaking with you because whenever I end up leaving a conversation with you, I always learn more than when I went in. So this is just on par for every other conversation that we've had. So I love that. Um, when I when we end these podcasts, I love to do like a, a call to action. You know, uh, what gets you riled up? What gets your liver to quiver? Um so, Amber, what is your call to action? What is one thing that you want people to know? Mm, well, Brandon, again, thank you for having this conversation. Um, I have really enjoyed building our collaborative relationship between Project Transition and Malvern Health. The call to action, I would say, especially within our roles, um, is not only continuing to be a resource, but continuing to advocate for 
the communities that we serve to provide low barrier access to the best inpatient substance use or inpatient behavioral health care provided. And for me specifically, really to continue to advocate and be an ally for the LGBTQ plus community and um, just continue to to create those relationships and collaborate as much as possible. Um, one of the things that I think this conversation really sums up is we're all going to do better by the people we serve is if we all work together, um, making the resources that are out there more cohesive um, and, and not looking at anything as competition, but really looking at we can all um, provide something within the recovery space, within the treatment space, and creating the best wraparound services um, for folks that need them. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much, Amber. Thank you so, so much. Um, we're all in this together, so let's all take care of each other. Thank you, and we'll talk to each other next time. Thanks, Brandon.